Bonjour, and welcome to the Anishinaabe History Podcast. I'm Chris Waite. In Anishinaabe culture, the medicine wheel is an important symbol. In a very basic sense, it is a representation of the four cardinal directions, east, south, west, and north. However, the symbolic meaning is much richer than just compass angles. There are many types of medicine wheels across North America. Some are in the form of stone circles built at sacred locations and date back thousands of years. Some date back hundreds of years and were painted onto special items such as drums, blankets, teepee skins, and shields. Modern medicine wheels are included in art, education, and civil engineering as part of an ongoing truth and reconciliation decolonization process. The word medicine wheel was first used to describe the one at Bighorn, Wyoming. Since that time, it has been observed that many of the spokes of the wheels across North America align to astronomical events. Observation of astronomical events was a paramount function of such sites. The purpose was to reaffirm that cosmological order was being maintained. The Canadian Encyclopedia Online states the following about medicine wheels. Quote, Structures referred to as medicine wheels generally share the following characteristics. 1. They are largely constructed of unmodified, locally available natural stone. 2. They consist of a combination of at least two of the following primary components a prominent central cairn, one or more concentric stone rings, two or more stone spokes or lines that radiate outward from a central origin point, a central cairn, or the margins of a stone ring. 3. The above primary components are arranged in a radially symmetrical manner. End quote. The encyclopedia also says that the earliest evidence for a medicine wheel dates back to about 5,000 years ago. Another author has stated 5,500 years ago. In this context, medicine refers to the indigenous notion of medicine as personal power, such as in a medicine man. A medicine man or a medicine woman is someone who can perform shamanic or magical acts such as conjuration, clairvoyance, dream travel, communication with the spirit world, and healing. Perhaps epithets like Bruyo, Kirindera, Midwewen, Wabanan, Jizagan, Wizard, Witch, Witch Doctor, Holy Man, Druid, Cleric, and Priest could all be described in general terms as medicine people. Each culture has its own cosmogony and beliefs based thereupon. For example, in Ojibwe culture there is a medicine person called a Jizakiwan, which is usually translated as tent shaker. The Jizakiwan would construct a small wooden lodge called a Jizagan, within which he would summon spirit helpers. Another example is the Uipi ceremony. Quote, Uipi is a traditional Lakota healing ceremony. During the ceremony, the healer is tied up with a special blanket and ropes, and the healer and their supporters pray and sing for the healing of the person who has asked for the ceremony. The ceremony may be performed for one person at a time, or for a small group of people together, depending on the severity of the case and the strength and ability of the medicine man leading the ceremony. End quote. I was at a Uipi ceremony many years ago when I lived in British Columbia and was going to college. My anthropology class was invited to attend a Uipi ceremony, so I went. 
It was held in a school gymnasium and there were many attendees. The practitioner was wrapped in blankets and tied up. Then the lights went out. In the darkness I saw points of light flying around him. It was like how stars look in the night sky. Points of light emanating from within. Those points of light danced around him for quite a few seconds. Maybe five to ten seconds. They were sort of like fireflies, except they weren't fireflies, because fireflies don't have a constant light. They glow and then dim. When you see fireflies in a marsh, the greenish lights go on and off softly and rhythmically. The points of light dancing around the Uipi ceremony practitioner were not like fireflies. They were more like tiny stars. The Uipi lights were constant and swirled around the practitioner who was tied in the ropes and blankets. The lights weren't on him as if from a laser pointer. The lights went around and above him, but they stayed by him. It was completely black in that gym except for those points of white light dancing around that guy. Then the points of light disappeared. The gym lights were turned back on so we could see the practitioner, and there he was, in the same spot, except now the ropes and blankets were no longer covering him. He was free. There are many different paths to the mountaintop, but the common route is one thing, an individual's personal power. How the power is manifested is dependent upon the individual and their culture. We're here at the, the Nakoda Medicine Wheel, uh, known as the Moose Mountain uh, Medicine Wheel. So a medicine wheel, from what I've been taught, it was either a ceremony or, or to do with uh, astronomy to keep track of time. Yeah, this one, we use it for astronomy. It, it tracks the longest day and it tracks the shortest day. The land that we had was so vast. The tree line by PA to the, to the east of Winnipeg, down to the Red River in the States and right to the Rocky Mountains was considered Assiniboine territory. Uh, there's a bunch of sites all over Canada and the United States. They're all connected in a way. Like different little little maps of rocks laid out all over the territory to show people how to get here, right? Medicine wheels have been built in many places across Turtle Island. There's one in Saskatchewan near Saskatoon called Winniskewin that is thought to have been built 1,500 years ago. There's one at Pheasant Rump First Nation also in Saskatchewan. Alberta has 57 documented medicine wheels. In southeastern Alberta, on land currently occupied by Canadian Forces Base Suffield, there are about a dozen medicine wheels that have been identified. They have names like Twin Peaks, Dark Horse, and Lone Antelope. Elsewhere across the Great Plains, there are also medicine wheels such as the Fort Smith Medicine Wheel in Montana. In Campbellsport, Wisconsin, there is a medicine wheel that the Potawatomi there now have ownership of. There's also Leon River Medicine Wheel at Fort Hood in Texas. There are many other examples, but I don't know them all. So with that, any kind of ceremonial items that we use in this way, the eagle feather, comes from the eagle, the messenger to the creator. And we acknowledge these four directions, the east and the south, the west and the north. And when we share this amongst all of you here today, virtually, we put our faith in it and our belief to purify and cleanse what we have to share because new learnings in life, as I said, because the Creator gave us this mindset, it becomes ceremony. How do we figure out what a direction is? 
maybe the sun is a good place to start. Where we see it rise over the horizon, we call it in Ojibwe, Wabanung, east, or Waban, dawn. Wabanung contains the roots Waban, which is the Ojibwe word for dawn, morning, or sunrise, plus Anung, which is star. The root syllable Wa is found in a lot of words. Waju is mountain, Wajushk is muskrat, Wagosh is fox, Wawashkeshi is deer, Wawate is the northern lights. Wasa means distant. Mamengwa also has the wa root word, but as a suffix. Mamengwa is the Ojibwe word for butterfly, and it means something like floating flower petals. But to say flower in Ojibwe, the word is wabagoni. Interestingly, flowers are usually phototropic, meaning they follow the angle of the sun. They bloom. Thus it appears that wa confers the meaning of rising or upwardsness, perhaps even movement. That syllable is also in words related to being able to see, such as wabam, or wabanjige, I see. It is also in words that denote showing, such as wabandan, I show it, and also in words that describe white objects, for example, wabigwen, which is a white feather, and wabos, which is rabbit. The second syllable's root word, I believe, stems from anang, which has had its own suffix, ung, truncated. Is an a root? It is found in words like anamaki, which in English means underground, and in anamamisquam, which means under the ice. Ani is also found in the eponym anishinabe, and its meaning is from whence. The suffix ung I think has something to do with place. For instance, that suffix is found in words such as pindogamig, in the house, as well as bingui, which is sand or ashes. Furthermore, a genugaming is a long lake, and Michigan comes from the Ojibwe word michigama, which means large lake, with the ng truncated. Is Michigan therefore cognate with the word mishkigogaming? a first nation in Ontario on the shores of a large lake. There are also Tamiskaming and Nipissing, which are regions in Ontario and Quebec with names derived from Ojibwe words. Tamiskaming translates into something like deep body of water with rapid winds, and Nipissing means little water in reference to a comparatively smaller lake. Waban, east, thus derives from Wabanung, rising star. In other words, east is where the star rises, we call this time dawn or waban. Wabanung also means morning star, but we call the sun Jesus. In English, where the sun rises, we call it east. The word east can be traced back through Old English, Proto-Germanic, and to Proto-Indo-European. The Proto-Indo-European root is something like aus, and can be seen in words in different languages that have very similar, if not the same, meaning. For example, Sanskrit has usa, which means dawn. In Lithuanian, dawn is osra. In Greek, eos is the daughter of dawn. That root is also found in Latin, in aurora, who is also the daughter of the dawn. The meaning of the word is to shine. Where the sun sets is west in English, and in Ojibwe, ningabian. To me, that word, ningabian, looks like a contraction of Ningabi Anang, which would translate into English as Western Star. Anang means star. 
The prefix ninga is in a lot of words. It is the root syllable for many words having to do with melting things. For example, a ninga begiskigen is the smelting furnace. And when the ground thaws, we say ninga kamate aki. Does this mean that the star melts at the end of the day? Is the root word abi also found in ningabian? Abi is found in words like abitibi, which means half water, and it refers to the halfway point along old canoe routes between James Bay and the St. Lawrence River. It is also in the word abitawagam, halfway across the river or lake, and in the word abitawamaju, halfway up the mountain. Does Ningabian mean something like half star, or perhaps melting the star in half? The sun and the moon are both circles from our vantage here on Earth. They also move in cycles, which is an important Anishinaabe idea. Quote, A circle contains the four cardinal points which measure 360 degrees, or of all of space, indicating unity and a link with the universe. Like the sun and the moon, both sacred disks, time was also circular. Therefore, the circle was the form, indeed the representation, of the entire cosmos. End quote. The only thing I would change is the verb tense. Time is considered circular in Anishinaabe culture, and the circle is a representation of the entire cosmos. When we do this every day, it grounds us, and we can walk to start uh, another day of life. And so we believe in those elements of the sacred fire, the sun, Mother Earth and all that she provides in life, the water which gives us nourishment. All these things are related. In Canada, attempts are being made to include Anishinaabe medicine wheel knowledge into mainstream school pedagogy. Sometimes there are posters on walls that show a circle with four colors. Sometimes the posters will have animals and plants identified in each of the quadrants of the circle. The posters are attempts at representing a multidimensional cosmogenic worldview in a two-dimensional framework that is easy to read. What do I mean by multidimensional? Think of it this way. Quote, the wheel drawing simply begins by making a circle. Superimposed on this circle are four equidistant points. These points symbolically identify the power medicine of the four directions, east, south, west, north, using four different colors. The final drawing resembles a compass for human understanding. Around the spirit world of the four directions is the creator above and mother earth below, whereby a three-dimensional sphere is created which mysteriously contains, reflects, and possesses within itself the perimeters and powers of the entire universe, indeed of reality itself. End quote. Each direction has many teachings. For example, not only does east represent a direction, but also a season, spring, a time of day, morning, a stage of life, childhood, and even the notion of new ideas. Likewise, each of the other directions has its own accompanying associations. Ultimately, everything is interconnected. For example, according to some elders and traditional teachers, the eastern direction is associated with the gift of vision. Being able to see is an example of awareness. 
But merely looking at the surface of something is incomplete knowledge unless one spends time trying to relate what has been seen to the rest of reality. Thus, the southern direction teaches us to try to understand that of which we have awareness. After we have spent time trying to understand, sometimes we figure it out. When that happens, we have knowledge. Perhaps then we know the reason why we are aware of what we are aware of. Knowledge and reason are thus associated with the western direction. It is after the previous three stages have been achieved that one obtains wisdom. Associated with the northern direction, wisdom takes much time and effort to achieve. It is then that you might know what to do with your awareness and knowledge. Then you can make moves and take action. Quote, Moving into the doing phase of the north requires taking the knowledge gained from all the directions and enacting that knowledge. This form of praxis makes the balance achievable. Using medicine wheels as a tool for analysis in healing and learning demands the continuous and ongoing reflection of oneself in relation to others. Thus balance must be maintained while embracing change. End quote. The same author states the following. Quote, Once a guiding vision is received or created, strategies can then be planned to help actualize it. Each person then has the responsibility to do the work required to fulfill the vision. End quote. That's something I agree with. What I would add is that it can be difficult to follow your dreams, so to speak, in a world that only allows dreams that make money or come in pills. But, as the saying goes, anything worth doing is going to be difficult. Furthermore, anything worth doing is worth doing well. Quote, Aboriginal approaches to knowledge are contextualized, relational, and owned by the community. In the Aboriginal worldview, knowledge and the knowers or learners are intimately connected, meaning that they are connected to everything and everyone around them. Casually referred to as all our relations, be it air, water, rocks, trees, animals, insects, humans, and so forth. Because of this connection, Aboriginal knowledge is more accurately described as a way of living in nature that is strongly place-based. The goal of Aboriginal knowledge is to become open to the natural world in body and spirit. End quote. The south quadrant of the medicine wheel or circle is also associated with summer, maturation into young adulthood, transformation or change, and integrating knowledge. And the importance of this language tells me who I am, my identity. I am proud to be First Nations. Because that language is so sacred in Cree, because it connects to the natural universal world, it connects to the earth. And all our terms are very sacred because they have rude words that connect to everything in life. I'll give you an example. Kitsikasun. Kitsi means your belly button or umbilicus, and it connects you to who did you who brought you into the world? Who were you connected to? See, your mother, grandmother, clan mother. So that's your history. And the sacredness of women. Those were the first teachings that were given to us before the interruption or colonialism. And when we say, Mio Kisikao, for instance, Mio is our body, something beautiful and good. 
So when we say miyokisakao, it's saying expressing a beautiful day. And kisakao comes to the root word kisiko, which means heaven, creation, or universe. So this beautiful day is part of us. It's part of creation. So I, I just wanted to share some of those things of how going back to our lifestyle, our identity, uh, overcoming obstacles, overcoming problems can be done through ceremony and healing. Because I tell you, some of the stories that we have today and why Orange Shirt Day is so important is to make positive change in life. It still affects our people today, our history. But a lot of people didn't believe it happened. And so this is why I share this today. It did happen and that we cannot forget our past, but we can certainly make change. There is more to medicine wheels than what I've just described. For instance, not only is East associated with vision and awareness, but also animals, plants, and spiritual aspects of life. I did a keyword search on Harvard University's digital access database using the term medicine wheel. There was only one result returned titled Blending Aboriginal and Western Healing Methods to Treat Intergenerational Trauma with Substance Use Disorder in Aboriginal Peoples Who Live in Northeastern Ontario, Canada. It was published in 2015. The abstract states the following, quote, As with many Indigenous groups around the world, Aboriginal communities in Canada face significant challenges with trauma and substance use. The complexity of systems that accompany intergenerational trauma and substance use disorders represents major challenges in the treatment of both disorders. There appears to be an underutilization of substance use and mental health services, substantial client dropout rates, and an increase in HIV infections in Aboriginal communities in Canada. The aim of this paper is to explore and evaluate current literature on how traditional Aboriginal healing methods and the Western treatment model seeking safety could be blended to help Aboriginal peoples heal from intergenerational trauma and substance use disorders. A literature search was conducted using the keywords intergenerational trauma, historical trauma, seeking safety, substance use, two-eyed seeing, Aboriginal spirituality, and Aboriginal traditional healing. Through a literature review of Indigenous knowledge, most Indigenous scholars proposed that the wellness of an Aboriginal community can only be adequately measured from within an Indigenous knowledge framework that is holistic, inclusive, and respectful of the balance between spiritual, emotional, physical, and social realms of life. Their findings indicate that treatment interventions must honor the historical context and history of Indigenous peoples. Furthermore, there appears to be strong evidence that strengthening cultural identity, community integration, and political empowerment can enhance and improve mental health and substance use disorders in Aboriginal populations. In addition, seeking safety was highlighted as a well-studied model with most populations, resulting in healing. The provided recommendations seek to improve the treatment and healing of Aboriginal peoples presenting with intergenerational trauma and addiction. Other recommendations include the input of qualitative and quantitative research, as well as studies encouraging Aboriginal peoples to explore treatments that could specifically enhance health in their respective communities. End quote. Speaking from personal experience, 
I can also say that learning Indigenous knowledge has helped in the healing of my own intergenerational trauma. My mom and mother-in-law, as well as their siblings and most of the Native people of their generation went to residential school or day school or boarding school. Adding the word school to an institution belies the purpose and methods of the forced attendance of the hundreds of brainwashing and torture camps placed all across Turtle Island in order to kill the Indian and save the child. Residential schools killed Indians and children, figuratively and literally. Many survivors of residential schools had children. The children of survivors often had their own traumatic experiences due to the fucked up shit their parents or parent did. Alcoholism, violence, depression, drug abuse, and so on happened to a lot of the children of residential school survivors. That's why I am the way I am, and why we are the way we are. But I am more than my trauma. I am a person, a human, a complex, adaptive animal. And despite all the pain, I have kept learning more about myself and about people. If it wasn't residential school that fucked up your family, then perhaps it was the 60s scoop the government policy of separating children from their families. Or perhaps your community was forcefully relocated when a hydroelectric dam was built, not to mention the government-imposed impoverishment of Indian reservations, such as the lack of adequate schools, housing, running water, and employment through paternalistic legislation. But I digress. If you do a keyword search on researchgate.net using Medicine Wheel, you get a lot of results. In the last few years, there's been a lot of work being done across various fields such as education and healthcare using the medicine wheel as a model. For example, a study done through the University of Manitoba looked at the role of the medicine wheel in mainstream healthcare. Anishinaabe elders participated in the study and they, quote, identified strategies for mental wellness such as participating in and contributing to the community finding a sense of meaning and purpose, taking part in spiritual activities such as sweats, ceremonies, and round dances, connecting with the land, and gaining knowledge and strength from sharing histories and stories. End quote. That's good advice from elders. It is important to know, because without purpose, we become wayward and lost. Just remember, the medicine wheel provides direction. That's all for today's episode. Stay tuned for more episodes in the future. I'm Chris Waite, and this has been the Anishinaabe History Podcast.